Tuesday nights on WLIW 21. Tonight, over 100,000 migrants have come to New York over the past year, and more are arriving every day. With little help from Washington and a price tag that could cost taxpayers $12 billion over the next three years, city officials are concerned about their ability to house and pay for this influx of people. We take a look at the crisis that the mayor has said will destroy New York City as Metrofocus starts right now. This is Metro Focus with Raphael P. Roman, Jack Ford, and Jenna Flanagan. Metro Focus is made possible by the Peter G. Peterson and Joan Gans Cooney Fund, Philemon M. D'Agostino Foundation, Barbara Hope Zuckerberg, and by Jody and John Arnhold, Bernard and Denise Schwartz, Dr. Robert C. and Tina Sohn Foundation, the Ambrose Monell Foundation, estate of Roland Carlin. Good evening and welcome to Metro Focus. I'm Rafael P. Roman. In the last year, over 100,000 asylum seekers who have crossed the southern border have arrived in New York, pushing the city's available shelters and other resources to their limits. New York City has already spent over a billion dollars dealing with this crisis, and Mayor Eric Adams has said that the cost could reach as high as $12 billion by 2025. For months, the mayor has been pleading for state and federal officials to provide more financial assistance, but with no immediate help on the horizon, his optimism about New York's ability to properly handle and pay for this situation has significantly declined. The mayor expressed just how serious he believes the situation has become in a recent town hall meeting where he indicated that big budget cuts could be on the way and shocked some New Yorkers with his bleak outlook. Here's a look. We turned this city around in 20 months. And then what happened? Started with a madman down in Texas, decided he wanted to bust people up to New York City. Hundred and 10,000 migrants. We have to feed, clothe, house, educate the children, wash their laundry sheets, give them everything they need, health care. And this team here, we stated, let's do everything possible before we have to push it out into neighborhoods and communities. Month after month, I stood up and I said, this is going to come to a neighborhood near you. Well, we're here. We're here. We're getting no support on this national crisis. And we're receiving no support. And let me tell you something, New Yorkers. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. And joining us now with the latest on the migrant crisis are Ben Max, the host of the Max Politics podcast, Numani Williams, the New York City public advocate, and Joe Pinion, a political commentator and the 2022 Republican senatorial candidate 
for the state of New York. Welcome all of you. It's always it's a pleasure to have you guys here. Good to be here. Thank you. Okay, Thank Ben, you. as always, let me start with you. Uh, could you please give us an overview of the crisis? What countries are the migrants here in New York coming from largely? How exactly have they been getting here from the southern border? Um, when did the arrivals begin and how did it all get so out of control that the mayor is now saying he doesn't see a way to fix the situation? So by the city's estimates, uh, a bit over 100,000 people have arrived over, over the last 15 months or so. The vast uh, plurality come from Venezuela. They estimate about 40% of the new arrivals have come from Venezuela. And then other countries include Ecuador, Colombia, and uh, the list goes on and on. But those are the three biggest countries of origin, according to the city's data. Uh, they're coming through a variety of means, but, but largely largely on, on, on circuitous bus routes or direct bus routes. And what's happened is over time, the city has, uh, as you say, spent well over a billion dollars at this point, according to the city's data, opened up dozens and dozens of emergency shelters, including contracting with hotels and more. But the biggest problem, of course, is you have a massive influx of people when the city's shelter system was already full of tens of thousands of other homeless individuals, and you have people who are not allowed to legally work. You have a city with a deep affordable housing crisis and lack of cheap housing. Uh, and so the, the challenge has built up uh, more and more. And as the mayor says, the federal response has been extremely minimal. Uh, the state has provided a bit more help in terms of funding in the state budget of about a billion dollars to help the city with uh, those costs, but the costs are largely the shelter costs. Uh, public advocate uh, Williams, um, do you share Mayor Adams' seeming despair uh, over the situation? Do you agree with, with his assertion that if the crisis continues, it will destroy the city? Well, here's what I do share. We are in a very bad situation um, and we have to be clear about that. Now, what I do know is that the migrants will not destroy New York City. Our leaders' responses to this crisis will make things worse. And that is a very important distinction because we wanna make sure that people's anger are directed where it needs to be directed to. And what happened with several of the statements that have been made, people can get angry at the human beings who are actually doing what human beings do, migrating and trying to get away from some very, very bad situations. And so one, to say that we have not seen a crisis where we didn't see an end to it, it's just nonsensical. We just have come through a pandemic. We had no idea when that was gonna end. It's not fully ended yet. We've come through recessions. They say the migrant crisis will destroy the city and follow that up with saying we have to cut 15% of the budget because of the migrants. It's just a bad framing. And when we went and came through this pandemic, we had to do it in a way that didn't cause mass hysteria while still being able to impart, impart how bad the situation was. And we have to do that here. We have to let people know that we want New York to be able to protect their livelihood while respecting the humanity of uh, the migrants. And that's important. And the fact of the matter is Joe Biden, the White House, has failed us. Uh, the governor has just begun to woke up. There's still a lot more that needs to be done. And there's some things that the city could have done better. But we can't handle this crisis on our own. So, so Joe, what's your take on, on the mayor's comments? Do you think that uh, this crisis could destroy the city? And, well, look, and do you agree I, I with would, him that you don't see a solution in sight? Well, well, look, I, I would say I, I, I share uh, uh, Jumani's sentiments in many ways that, yes, we can have anger that becomes displaced, that in uh, the fog and frustration 
of a crisis, not of our own making, that people do tend to lash out. And so I think that we need to be mindful of that reality. But I think we also have to remember how we got here, uh, that for the better part of two years, uh, we listened to our leaders at the federal level and also at the local level. Uh, tell anyone who mentioned uh, the migrant crisis that it was a figment of our imagination. Uh, anyone who mentioned the fentanyl crisis uh, that it was not as bad as it seems. And what many people recognize was that if we continued down this path uh, by reverting all of the border policies that we knew were at least helping to stem the tide, uh, that a day would come where we would turn pretty much every city uh, into a border town. And we have seen that here in New York. And so, yes, uh, it is frustrating to listen to the mayor talk about trying to cut back on services from policing uh, to trash pickup, uh, the quality of life that New Yorkers depend upon. Uh, but in many ways, it is the inevitable outcome of leaders who put their head in the sand instead of preemptively trying to look out for what's happening here. Yes, we should compare it in many ways to COVID. COVID did not destroy New York, but the response to COVID in many ways has left a bitter, bitter uh, divides in society and also a deep sense of distrust from the people. And we are recreating those conditions with the only caveat being that COVID was a once in a generational pandemic. And this was something that we could have seen, should have seen, many did see coming. And in fact, now uh, we are reaping in many ways uh, that whirlwind which leaves the migrants in a desperate case, but also leaves New Yorkers uncertain of what comes next. So, so Joe, let me let me stay with you. Um, Ann Williams Easton, I believe that's how the name is pronounced. You correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, she's the city's deputy mayor for health and human services, said that before this crisis, the city's right to shelter provision was, quote, like our little secret, but that now, quote, the whole globe knows that if you go to New York City, we're going to take care of people. And that that, she contends, uh, is a major reason why the migrants are choosing to come to New York City. Joe, do you agree that that is the mayor reason, the, the ma ma major magnet for the migrants? I, I believe that we have had uh, generations of politicians uh, who made promises they knew they themselves were never going to actually have to honor. And so the problem for me is that America is more than just words on paper. It is a promise. It is a promise that we make to our own citizens and a promise that we make to the world. And so when you stand up, all of our county legislators from Westchester to, uh, to places all around the state and declare that you want to be a sanctuary county, declare that you want to be a sanctuary city, well, then you better make sure you have found some sanctuary homes along the way and individuals in those communities uh, who are willing to help shoulder that burden in the name of the policies you want to see come to fruition. And so, yes, I think in many ways, we all share the same objective uh, to try to help those who are fleeing brutality, uh, make sure that they no longer have to be looking over their shoulders. But we are a nation of laws. There are four million people waiting to come to this country legally who've been waiting five, 10, 15 years for sons and daughters and spouses to join them. And the crisis that we have right now is completely unacceptable. It is, again, failure by design. And unfortunately, again, both the migrants and the people that call New York City home have no choice but to uh, duck and cover and hope that our leaders find the courage to make the tough decisions required for society to function. Uh, Public Advocate Williams, um, what do you think? Right, there's no other city with the right to shelter provision like ours, which commits the city to providing shelter uh, to those who need it, essentially. I mean, their, their qualifications. Uh, under this crisis, the mayor has been trying to modify it in the courts. Some people are saying, listen, under the current crisis, we don't need to modify it. We need to end it. What's your take on right to shelter and its role 
in uh, the crisis. There's been a lot been said that I just got to unpack. So just give me a second. One is this: the genesis of this is actually Republican governors who wanted to create a bad situation and have done so. But those same Republican governors have not wanted to be a part of true immigration reform and comprehensive immigration reform, which would have been the answer, not starting to send people uh, through buses. So I want to be clear about that. And also the current leaders not making the best decisions now of how to deal with a national crisis and forcing a city like New York City to do it on its own. And Annie williams Ison, the, the deputy mayor, is actually doing a Herculean job um, I want to also be clear that seeking asylum is actually a legal way to come into this country. So the majority of those folks are actually doing the in a legal way. Uh, to your question about right to shelter, um, none of our policies now have been the issue. Uh, I want to be clear as well that the governor is part of the problem because she's not recognizing right to shelter as a statewide issue, making it just a citywide issue. So whereas we don't have the president helping with the decompression strategy at the border, which we should, we don't have the governor helping with decompression strategy, <clears throat> excuse me, with uh, the city, which is what we should be doing, which would help everyone. And I wanna be clear as well, the, the Mayan administration had been talking about cuts even before the migrant situation. There have been uh, tens of thousands of a long time New Yorkers who have not got the housing and assistance they need long before the migrants got here. And so that anger needs to be directed at leaders in government who did not do those things, who did not uh, support us when we said we have to raise revenue because we're going to be we're going to have to cut if we don't long before the migrants did not help the 50,000 people who were in shelters for years a day before the first migrant uh, bus came. So what we should not do is make a scapegoat of these human beings that directs anger in the wrong places and accept responsibility for what we did and didn't do and work toward making sure everybody has what they need. So, so Ben, well, Raphael, if, if I may, yeah. I, I would say yeah, I would quickly. agree uh, with the public advocate that uh, certainly there is enough blame to go around uh, that people on both sides, the kind of entrenched uh, kind of blind partisanship has led to this moment. And I would also agree that whether you're talking about the shelters that we had in place before the migrants arrived, if we talk about the half a million New Yorkers who are living in public housing, $40 billion our city is behind in repairs. Yes, there has been despair and neglect in New York City long before the migrants arrived. So it is good that we focus on those issues. But I would say that again, uh, this notion that we're just going to point at Republican governors and play pin the tail on the elephant, again, is just this continuation of trying to pass the buck. Mm -hmm. It is one thing to say that we should put the governor of Texas and the governor of Florida on trial for effectively trafficking people to New York on buses. But we have the mayor of New York City trying to load the people on buses and send them to places as far as Chautauqua County. And then having the governor of the state of New York saying that she does not want you, as Jumani has said, deal with shelter, uh, shelter as a right across the state. So yes, it is one person pointing at Texas, one person pointing at New York, one person pointing at the governor's mansion, and everyone is to blame and so no one is responsible. Huh. But the people are hurt nonetheless. So yes, again, at some point, we're going to have to stop playing politics with this. We're going to have to deal with it at the federal level. How do we secure that border? But I would note that, again, it's the, the nation of Canada has gotten America to recommit to that third safe country act, which allows them to deny 
uh, access to migrants and send them back to one of the first countries that they pass through on their way to Canada. Okay. We have people that have come to America, most of them sure. not from Mexico. They've gone through one, two, three, right, in some it. cases as far as China. So I just think, again, we need a holistic solution. Right. We need to honor the actual. And we'll get to all that, Joe, but, but but the time is running out. I want to yes, get absolutely. to I want to get to Ben and I want to ask Ben this. You know, uh, public advocate Williams, uh, you know, agreed with the mayor, essentially, that the the, the that the president isn't doing enough financially. Everybody seems to agree that, but the mayor seems to increasingly blame uh, President Biden for the crisis because he hasn't given us enough money. Is this getting to be, um, you know, hearkening back to the the famous Daily News um, headline, you know, um, you know, when Ford the city dropped dead? Is this going to be? Is this getting to be a Biden the city dropped dead headline moment? Uh, it could it could be um, there, you know, there are uh, there there has been some money allocated uh, a while back that some of that money has made its way to New York, but less than expected, only one hundred fifty million dollars or so. There's a little bit more expected. But the White House's position is that they need Congress to uh, make further allocations and. Congress is currently not willing to do that, especially in the Republican held house. Uh, as Joe was saying, this requires much more on the federal level. And, and as the public advocate was also saying, it requires solutions on the federal level in a number of ways that just aren't happening right now. And there's little uh, hope that they will. In terms of more help from the president, there are real questions about how Mayor Adams is approaching that relationship. And when he talks about the Biden White House failing the city in the terms that the mayor has talked about it, I just don't think that that's going to show the types of results that the mayor wants uh, to get from the federal government. And there's some real questions about the mayor's strategy to get the help he needs, even if you can understand that the mayor feels very neglected and very unhelped by both the federal level and somewhat at the state level. Now, uh, public advocate uh, Williams, one of the way that the mayor is saying that, that the president could help besides more resources is by signing an executive order um, granting uh, work permits. Uh, to the migrants, or at least to, to some of them. Do you agree that that would be part of the solution, at least that that would decongest the city um, because it would relieve it of some of his fi uh, fiscal responsibilities? A hundred thousand percent. All of the uh, requests are not just monetary. You always have the monetary requests, but there are some policy requests that can be done. I believe that they're not being done for political reasons. And all of us are suffering here in New York City, and we just can't do that. I think it's actually the wrong political calculus that may cause Democrats to lose congressional seats, even though Biden may be safe here. And that's something we have to think about. Uh, and those jobs that can be filled, I want to be clear, are open right now. So they're not taking jobs from longtime Americans. And we even have Republican uh, leaders in of industry that are saying, we need to fill these jobs, allow the migrants to be able to work, and we still can't get that. I also think that if the governor would help with a decompression strategy, a real one, and stop letting the buses come all over here and help us create some other cities and, and areas that places that people can go, would also help. So uh, things that can be done right now, for the life of me, we can't get it done. But I, I would say this, my biggest issue with particularly around how the mayor is crafting this, it oftentimes creates an us versus them scenario here in New York City. And that's not what we need in the times of crisis to help move this city forward. If I could just uh, add real quick, very ahead, quick, I'm sorry. 
I, I just wanted to say that there, there are apparently thousands of migrants who have arrived over the last 15 months who actually are eligible to work but don't know or haven't been helped to fill out the paperwork because there's all sorts of classifications that people are coming into the country under. And one of the biggest uh, issues of this whole situation is that you had the city not really realizing it. You had the federal government not really helping. They've all sort of awoken to this over the last couple of weeks. But uh, but but they have not uh, been on top of this. And that's been really sort of a shocking revelation is that there's thousands of people who could have been starting on the path to work already who haven't been helped to, to know that and fill out the paperwork. And that's a real problem and a real question of management on all three levels of government. So, Joe, those who do not have work permits right now, this call for the president to sign an executive order to allow the migrants to work. Do you think that's a good solution to the problem? Part of I think it's, it, you know, in the aggregate, it seems like a one size fits all solution uh, that dismisses many of the existing problems that we have here in New York and around the country as well. I'll remind people uh, that over the last two years, we've seen $5.5 trillion in savings hollowed out from the middle class. Uh, that yes, we do have people getting back to work, but the uh, estimates now with these numbers is that people are actually working less hours uh, than they were previously, uh, that we still have in many ways real wages that are not keeping up with inflation, and that even though we see the jobless number coming down, we also saw the amount of people who re-entered uh, the job force actually increase and not being able to find the job. So yes, we do have jobs that are empty, but we also have Americans that are retiring, that are now putting off that retirement, Americans that are getting off the couch and getting back into the workforce because the constraints of the, the economy that we're currently facing right now have prevented them from actually being able to retire, have prevented them from being able to afford uh, their everyday needs from the cost of the rotisserie chicken uh, to just being able to put gas in the car. So those are real concerns. And I think we end up with a chain of unintended consequences if we actually end up filling uh, some of those low-hanging fruit jobs uh, that other people could be doing right now uh, with uh, trying to have some type of uh, backhanded effect uh, to try to fix and address this migrant crisis. Uh, I just want to be clear. I want to be clear. Americans are not taking the farm jobs. They're not taking some of the manufacturing jobs. Uh, that because are, they're not, because they're not being paid uh, that well for that. The, so the, so our, this, is a whole nother, this is a whole other conversation. Yeah. Our economy has always been based on paying low wages to people. Always. And so what we want to do is say we want to deport everybody, but we want to keep their labor so it's very, very cheap. That's a whole nother conversation that we have. Well, I, 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 right, I so right now, that. let me just finish what I'm saying, because right now we have a problem where we're getting this influx of, of immigrants like we always have in the past, but we're not getting the support from the government and they're not able to work. And there are many, many, many jobs right now that Americans will not take and people are pleading for this. So there are a win-win situations, at least in the near term, so we can deal with this crisis while we should be having discussions about how we deal with um, a holistic approach, as you said, and uh, a real immigration reform. It also needs to be just quickly said, I said this earlier, but I think it's a really important part of this conversation. I know this is something that the public advocate looks at, which is even if people have the ability to work and sustain themselves, we don't have the housing. And, and that's been a failure of New York government over a number of years that the conversation has sped up much more in recent years. But there are real issues around just the ability, wherever people might be coming from, for New York to actually have affordable housing for people to live in, even if they can support themselves. We have a real challenge around that. And there's real problems with saying, oh, here's 100,000 plus 
new people, even if they could afford a place to live, we don't have the housing for them. So, so Ben, let me, you know, the, the, the mayor is predicting that the migrant crisis could cost the city $12 billion over the next three years, as I said in the introduction. Where does that figure come from? Do we know? Are, are those reliable numbers? The mayoral administration does have somewhat of a tendency to, to overstate some of those types of costs and to understate expected revenues because it makes a lot of sense for a mayoral administration to be conservative on some of these types of numbers. Mostly, as I said earlier, this is just extrapolating housing costs, and they are uh, basing these numbers on a continued influx of roughly 10,000 new migrants a month. We don't know that that will actually continue to be the pattern, and we don't know what types of measures you know might be taken to slow that or any type of help with the decompression type strategy that the mayor's been asking for that the public advocate mentioned. Um, but but that's the general gist is extrapolating what's mostly housing costs. Public advocate Williams, uh, real quickly, because we only have a couple of minutes left. Do you trust the, that you think that's $12 billion is in uh, the ballpark? And, and, and what's your take on that, on the proposed, on the p potential 15% cut across the board of city government that so the, that the mayor said might happen? What has been most frustrating to me is that we couldn't get the mayor to support revenue raises, so we couldn't didn't have to make these cuts. We couldn't get the mayor to support uh, good cause eviction prevention. And the mayor put two people on the rent guidelines board that raised the rents more than they've ever been in two, one or two decades. To then say and blame the migrants, I think was irresponsible in how it's being phrased. The problem with the way the cuts have been put forth is they're blanket cuts across the way. Now, at some point we may have to look at it, but you can't just do blanket cuts. One, think about what that does to the municipal worker who doesn't know if they're gonna have a job in a few months or not, particularly as we've been trying to recruit people and hire them up. So even if that's something that we have to look at, the, probably the most irresponsible way to look at that is say we're going to have 5% cuts three times in one budget year across the board. Mm -hmm. That's going to be devastating. And quite frankly, if we did it across the board, what it's going to do to the service that have to be provided to people who need it the most long time New Yorkers is only going to make the situation worse. Okay, we only have about a minute left. Uh, uh, Joe, real quickly, um, uh, the public advocate mentioned this earlier uh, about the politics of this. Uh, the, the border crisis situation, which is now spread across the country. What's the likely impact in 2024? Quickly, because I have one more question for Ben. Yeah, look, just quickly, there is no austerity plan to solve this crisis. There is no way for the mayor to cut his way to some type of funds for the migrants. Uh, this, in many ways, does lie with the federal government. Anything else is just us trying to uh, plug our thumb in the dam. So, look, politics aside, uh, we have to actually figure out how to secure our border. We can't actually agree on that. We can't even agree on if we should secure the border. Uh, so I think it starts there. In many ways, it's going to have to end there because otherwise we're just going to have cascading states of emergency from cities to towns uh, to counties all across New York State and then eventually all across this great country. Well, I think we're going to have to end it there, Ben. I know that you're going to talk, and I had a question for you, but we're out of time, so we're going to have to end it there. Thank you so much, guys. It's been a very useful conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to MetroFocus. You can take our award-winning program with you wherever you go with MetroFocus, the podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Or simply ask your smart speaker to play MetroFocus, the podcast. Also available at MetroFocus.org, WLIW.org slash radio, and on the NPR One app. MetroFocus is made possible by 
the Peter G. Peterson and Joan Gans Cooney Fund, Philemon M. D'Agostino Foundation, Barbara Hope Zuckerberg, and by Jody and John Arnhold, Bernard and Denise Schwartz, Dr. Robert C. and Tina Sohn Foundation, the Ambrose Monell Foundation, Estate of Roland Carlin, individual kills multiple close family members before killing themselves. That's a university library card. May I ask my questions anyway? I suggest you need to face your fears. Relax. It'll be the easiest money you've ever made. I could get used to this, having you around. Keep your mind open to the existence of other possibilities. Tonight at 8 on WLIW 21. Life is complicated enough. Why worry about what to do with your extra car? Skip the costs of maintaining it, storing it, insuring it, or renewing registration. Donate it to our station. Interested? Just call this toll-free number or donate online. On PBS Arts Talk, it's Tony Award-winning star of musical theater, Brian Stokes Mitchell. It's the spaces, that's where artists play. And Grammy Award-winning musician, Rhiannon Giddens. The way that it was constructed was all in an attempt to pull the spirit down through yes. the instrument. Throwing <laughs> out all the cards. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah, who needs cards? Their conversation on this edition of PBS Arts Talk. Tuesday night at 10.30 on WLIW 21. One masterpiece mystery. Worked on a case in Rotterdam almost 20 years ago. His statement was a crucial part of putting her away. It's a sham. The man's racist. He wasn't one for correcting the sins of the past. How that make you feel? Welcome to the dark world of crime. You still think she was innocent? I still think she's evil. She's got a new name, new life. 